Welcome to Growing in the Gospel with Father Zach Weber. It is the second Sunday of Ordinary Time. Father Zach here. Welcome to Growing in the Gospel. And we enter into the second Sunday of Ordinary Time. So we just celebrated Epiphany and then we had Baptism of Jesus. And now we go into uh, Ordinary Time. So it's a with second Sunday of Ordinary Time, and this Sunday, we're going to be looking in the Gospel of John, chapter 1, 29 through 34. So if you can get out a Bible, get one out, pull, call upon the Holy Spirit, pull up a chair. If you have a friend, get a chair for them, and do a little bit of Bible study. And the reason why we always do this is, again, to come to Mass prepared, and really looking at what the Mass is about, and how to really allow the gift of the Word of God to speak to our hearts and transform us from the inside out. So as we enter into this Sunday, our gospel comes from the Gospel of John, which begins with, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He is the one of whom I said, A man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. I did not know him. But the reason why I came baptizing with water was that he might be made known to Israel. John testified further, saying, I saw the Spirit coming down like a dove upon, coming from heaven and remaining upon him. I did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, On whom you see the Spirit coming down and remain, he is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. Now I have seen and testified that he is the Son of God. I really love the Gospel of John. It's one of my favorite Gospels. You know, I don't really have a favorite one because they all speak to us in so many different ways. Um, But we'll open this Gospel a little bit for you to help you come and see who the Lord is and what he's hopefully trying to do with the Gospels this Sunday. So as we look at the gospel, we hear John immediately saying, seeing Jesus come towards him. So in, in that, just that disposition, it's the same thing we heard, you know, last week. Um, it's really to look at, am I always going out and seeking and making the initiative to find God, which is a good and holy thing, but also am I taking time to let God come to me? And that can be um, a different disposition, but I think it's an important one to make sure I'm in a disposition of receptivity. I'm there to receive. So, he says, Behold the Lamb of God. And that term, Lamb of God, points to the sacrificial dimension of Jesus' mission. So Jesus came to lay his life down for us to bridge the gap that separated us from God with the original sins, always knowing that sin separates us from God. And this Lamb of God is said over and over, and you see the the symbol of the Lamb throughout the Old Testament. So it's prefigured by the Passover lambs of the Exodus, whose blood was a mark of divine protection for Israel and whose flesh was eaten in a liturgical meal. You can see that in Exodus 12, 1-27. But it was also prophesied by Isaiah, who portrayed the suffering Messiah, or the suffering servant, as an innocent lamb slain for the sins of others. 
You can see that in Isaiah 53, 7 through 12. So Jesus, being the Lamb of God, also points to you know, Isaac and Abraham, where Isaac is carrying wood up the mountain for the sacrifice, and he's with his father Abraham, and God is testing Abraham's obedience. And Isaac says, well, where is the lamb for sacrifice? After God says, do not sacrifice Isaac. It says, God will provide. So they've been always been waiting for this lamb. There's one thing about that. There's also the fact of, in the, in the Jewish tradition, having a lamb for sacrifice, it wasn't like a dirty lamb. It was a lamb that they nurtured. The family really cared for and they would really, it really become a part of the family. So when the lamb was sacrificed, it was a huge sacrifice, not just in how well they took care of it, but also the lamb was like a part of the family. And for anybody who's, who's owned an animal, you know how an animal can be kind of like a, a part of the family, obviously not on the level of a human, but there, there's a special bond there, you know, because God created the animals and animals are good. So... Jesus being the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Well, what does that mean? Well, in the first sin of Adam and Eve, when Eve grasped for the fruit in the tree, which wasn't like a huge deal. I mean, like it's a big deal because it's the original sin. But I mean, it wasn't like, you know, don't kill. It was just, you know, just don't do that, a little thing. It wasn't being obedient. That separated man from God. He created a void that none of you and I can purchase. We can't bridge that gap. It's unbridgeable. It's been one of my words I've been saying lately. It's unbridgeable. And in that sin, when they were separated from God, God still provided by giving them, as one of my seminary professors said, He gave them little fur coats. So Adam and Eve, as they see each other naked for the first time, um, they, they begin to cover themselves up. So God still provides. So that by them offering animals for sacrifice and ultimately coming down to being a lamb for sacrifice, it's them offering that lamb in thanksgiving, the best of the best, the first fruits, offering that to God and saying thank you, even knowing that we screwed up immensely. Our sins separated. You still provide food for us. But there's only one ultimate sacrifice, which is the Last Supper and the crucifixion of Jesus, which is the Mass. And John knows his scriptures and he says, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me, for he was before me. And God is always before us because Jesus is God. He's eternal. But he said, no, I, I didn't know him. And maybe you didn't just ask yourself, do you know Jesus? And at a deeper level, not just in your head, but in your heart. Have you experienced His love? And have you allowed His love to shatter all of the idols that do not live up to His love? You know, we all have idols. We all have things that we idolize. Sometimes it's ourself. Sometimes it's sports. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's friendships. Sometimes it's family. It doesn't have to be a bad thing necessarily to be an idol. It's just something that we idolize. We hold up before God. And one thing we need to come to know is that when we place the love of Jesus, which is perfect love that you and I are created for, when we place that love at the center, we can imagine the worst thing. So imagine the worst thing ever happening. And with Christ at the center, 
from knowing him and spending time with him, placing him at the center, everything's going to be okay. You'll be able to handle it because his love is that good. And usually we kind of kick ourselves and say, why didn't I surrender earlier to putting Christ at the center? You know, and, and Jesus is shown who he is by the, the, the Spirit descending upon him like a dove. We even just heard about that last week with the baptism of Jesus. So the baptism of Jesus initiates his manifestation to Israel, but also it prefigures the effects of sacramental baptism. And to remain, the, the word remain, which is found often in the Gospel of John, it's a Greek expression used uh, that translates, you know, to dwell or to abide for the enduring bond of the Father and the Son, for the indwelling of the Trinity in the believer. That's like, you could press pause and just like, like what, what? We're invited to dwell in the Trinity, to be in that relationship with the Father and the Son and to remain in the, and dwell there. And a lot of times as I work with people, I'm always telling them, your goal is just to, to be with Jesus, you know, to, to be in relationship with the Trinity. And that's it. Everything will flow from there. But if we're not in relationship, we have to take a step back and, and call upon the Holy Spirit. Say, come Lord Jesus, come Holy Spirit. Help me abide in your, in your love, Holy Trinity. Help me abide in your love, Heavenly Father. Because if we don't know Him, we don't know that that's what we're created for. We've never been, been presented the good news of the gospel. And also never been... been been presented what is the bad news, how, how really bad is it? And the bad news, I would say, is imagine being involved in human trafficking and feeling completely helpless. Like the bad news is that bad. And then like God saved us from infinitely worse consequences than that. But that's just like a foretaste of the bad news. We come to know that and that we were baptized, we were purchased, that we are not our sins, our God, who is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Father loves us so much that He sends His only Son. He wanted to baptize us with water to cleanse us, but also with the Holy Spirit to fill us so we could be filled with the love of Jesus. But you and I have to stir that flame into, that faith into flame and to really allow that flame of, of God's love to stir every day. And then like John the Baptist, you and I are called to give witness that Jesus is truly the Son of God. There is no other. By the way we spend our time, by the way we spend our money, by the way we do everything. And that's the cost of discipleship, is to, to lay down your life completely for Jesus and His body, the church. To lay it all down to surrender all your idols, your family, your loved ones, your, your work before Him. And is it easy? No, because we're prideful, we're sinners, we're stubborn. We have very strong wills. But our goal is for our will and the will of God to become one. So that when we're at Mass and we hear the priest holding up, see the priest holding up Jesus in the Eucharist, and he even says, Behold the Lamb of God, behold Him who takes away the sins of the world, Blessed are those who are called to the Supper of the Lamb. We say, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, that you should come into my soul, but only say the word 
and my soul shall be healed. Healed from all those lies, all those things that make us feel like we're unworthy or God's not real or he doesn't exist, you know, that we're damaged goods, that he's abandoned us. And we're so blessed that we get to enter into that mystery of being at the Last Supper and at the sacrifice of the cross and the Mass. There's only been one Mass ever celebrated. There's only one priest, and that's Jesus Christ. One thing I encourage you to, to look up um, before I play the closing hymn song is to watch the video, The, the Veil Removed. I've been watching that with our youth, and they're starting to see the deeper reality of the importance of coming to Mass in a state of grace, but also knowing there's so much more going on and the devil doesn't want us to see the veil removed. He wants us to live with veiled eyes, to not know Jesus, to not know his love, to not know his immense peace that he desires for us. So check it out, the, the veil removed, check that out. And the song I'm going to close with is Lay My Body Down by Joe Zambone. That's what it all comes down to. Because we spend time with him, we, 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 we struggle, we wrestle with the good news, we accept it. And because he lays his life down for us, we lay it all down for him. And that's the cost of discipleship. Everything. No, my prayers for you. Haven't gone to confession in a while. <laughs> Encourage you, go. Bring a friend. Lay it down. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
Hey.